Let's, let's pray together. Father in heaven, that's, that's our prayer. And that's, that's really the only prayer we've got, God. God, don't let your, your mercy miss us. Father, let your blood wash away our sins. Father, the very best that Josh Green or anybody else in this room could could do won't cut it. We need forgiveness. And the forgiveness is through the blood of Jesus. Father, please let your blood pass over us. And may our understanding and faith and trust in this, God, be strengthened today through Your Word. Oh, Father, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to pay attention. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 12. Micah and Kevin, thank you so much for that. A song that absolutely speaks to what the Bible will tell us today. We've been going through the ten plagues. Really, we've been walking through the book of Exodus. We had come to the ten plagues. Last week, we were at chapter 11 where the final plague is threatened. Today, we'll, we'll do some of chapter 12 where we have the Passover and the tenth plague. It has come to this. This is the end of the ten plagues. The blood, then frogs, the gnats, then flies. Then comes number five, the livestock dies. The boils, the hail, the locusts, the darkness to the eyes. Then comes number ten, the firstborn dies. And we're at number 10, where the firstborn dies. That's serious. And yet, for as serious as that is, and as long time as this has been coming, God, out of nowhere, seemingly, provides a way of escape. God provides mercy. God is willing to pass over them instead of bringing His judgment. This is what God is like. And I want to say here from the beginning that if you have any friends or neighbors or family or children or grandchildren or parents or grandparents that think that God is judgmental, without knowing that God is gracious. And the first thing that I want to say is that they probably think that because you're judgmental. More judgmental than gracious. And I would ask you that if you're going to represent our church, don't be judgmental. Not unless you're very gracious too. Because God is judgmental. There's going to be a judgment. But every time He he brings His judgment, He offers up such grace. And you're going to see this today. And in the Passover, where God doesn't let His judgment fall on people, it's because He sees the blood. And I hope that that very phrase, He saw the blood, grips you today. I was moved to tears listening to that song as I, as I prayed just now. That that's our only prayer. I hope that today you leave here going, that's my only prayer. I hope that in about an hour when you go to eat lunch and you say thanks for the food, you would say, God, thank you for the blood. 
And I hope that that would become kind of the prayer that you always say. Because I promise you, you don't have another hope in the whole wide world. If it ain't through the blood, you don't have a chance. We cannot miss the blood. We're a people that know blood to be bad, right? When you see blood, you know that something's up. The other day I was around a man and he didn't even know it. And the next thing I know, there's like blood running down his arm. And I said, what, what happened to you? He said, what do you mean? I said, look at your arm. There's blood. He's oh, I was out back a few minutes ago and I banged it on something. Didn't even notice. And now there's blood going, going down. That means that something's wrong. He must have broken the skin. Just a couple of weeks ago, there's, there was a deer that got hit right here on Fairdale Road in front of our church. And it wasn't there Sunday night when I pulled in the parking lot Monday morning. It was laying dead right here in our field. Um, and so it hadn't been there for a while. It had not been there. It wasn't rotted or anything like that. Uh, and I'm not a big deer hunter, so I was kind of scared. So I tiptoed from the parking lot over there to this deer. And I was just so concerned that it was almost dead and it was about to jump up at me. And I went over there and I didn't see any, like, damage, no broken legs or no bullet holes or didn't look like it had gotten run over by a car or anything like that. It was just laying there. And I thought, is this thing asleep? Is it okay? If this thing jumps up right now, they're going to find me laying there dead from a heart attack. And then I, I kind of walked around it and I got to its, I got to its head and... Laying there right there in the field, it had two little spikes, which means it was a, a male, a, a buck. But it had a lot of blood all over its face. I guess it got hit by a car. But that blood let me know that something had gone wrong, right? The blood all over the face of the deer let us know something, something's not right here. Our son JJ has struggled for a while with, with nosebleeds. I did when I was a child. So there's been many a times where he comes to wake me up in the middle of the night and, and says, my nose is bleeding. And we'll go there to the bed. Or sometimes he'll, he'll just be yelling for me from the bed if it's been a bad one. And you go there into the bed and, and, and the pillow is like full of blood. And you're like, oh, gosh. And you, you, you hurry up and get him, take him to the bathroom and start getting all that cleaned up. But just the, the sight of blood makes you think, oh, something's, something's not right. You know that blood is serious. And it is only in the, the brilliance and glory and wisdom of God that He would so design our redemption to come through the blood. But it's not just blood. And it's not just the blood of bulls and goats. It is a particular type of blood that can save. And we mean it when we say particular. There is only one blood that can wash away sins. You don't have a family member, a grandfather good enough to have saved you. And there's nobody on the planet that could die for you. It is only through the blood of Jesus that our sins can be washed away. As you sit here this morning, I, I beg you, whether you've heard it a thousand times or whether this is the very first time you're ever going to hear it, I ask you to believe in Jesus and be saved. I ask you to turn to God and say, forgive me of my sins. I want to be a Christian. And trust that the blood of Jesus will forgive you. That the blood of Jesus will wash away your sins. We see all of this in our passage here in Exodus chapter 12. Start reading with me, if you will, in Exodus 12. Notice that in chapter 11, the final plague had been threatened. Okay? God said that He would come and kill the firstborns, all of man's firstborn and all of beast's firstborn. God's going to kill everything. Remember, it's come to this. It's come to this. Let's start reading at chapter 12, verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. This shall be the first month of the year for you. 
Tell all the congregation of Israel on the, that on the tenth day of this month, every male shall take a lamb according to their father's houses. A lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat. You shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. The first thing I want you all to hear today, folks, is that there is provision for sin. Notice that in this part of the story, things are bad. You have God's people in slavery being kept in captivity by a man who is against God, doing evil, not living rightly. That's not a good situation. And then the people of Egypt are being led by this man. And they're a, they're a, a country, that is a, a nation, a people that is not doing right. And, and it seems like everything is full of sin right now and it doesn't look good. And what we've heard from God is that I'm going to rescue my people and, 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 and I'm going to come and, and bring the tenth plague. I'm going to kill the firstborn, a, a, a judgment upon them, if you will, that will, as I've said each week, that will show who God is, that Pharaoh will know for certain and will know with some great... Uh, finality that that God is God and you cannot go against him. You must bow down to God. This is the way God is to be addressed as 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 God and he is to be worshipped. And yet here at chapter 12, we see God beginning to speak and he says, here's here's what I want you to do. Uh, One might have thought at the end of chapter 11, what I just preached on last week, that chapter 12 was going to go right into it, right? Here comes the final plague. God's about to destroy them. And if it was me or you and we were watching some movie, uh, then it would have just been, here come the good guys about to win this thing. Hurry up and do it. I, I made a comment this week in one of our Bible studies that, you know, it, 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 it's, it's not ironic that, that so many of the older men in our lives love westerns, right? My, my grandfather just passed away called me up about a year ago to say that his new cable plan has a Western channel where he can watch Westerns 24-7 on the TV. And the reason why so many of us like those is because in every single episode, you know what's going to happen. The bad guys are going to look like they're winning. And then here comes the good guy at the end and he's going to wipe them out, right? Here comes the Lone Ranger, Hi-Ho Silver. Let's do this and let's see him take over and kill the bad guys. And we love that. But what's even better than that is when the good guy comes and in a way that you couldn't have predicted, offers up himself for the other bad guys, us, and then wins, and then reigns. It's like a glitch or a a part to the movie that we couldn't have predicted. And so here at chapter 12, we see that there is provision for sin. God says, here's what I want you to do. I want every one of you to take a lamb for your household. And when I tell you at the right time at twilight, I want you to kill it. Folks, I want you to know that there is provision for sin. You know, there's a lot of people that walk around in the world today and they say, hey, we all sin, nobody's perfect. And we use that to say, well, then that means that sin is, is not something to worry about because we all do it, right? We're never going to stop doing it. We're always going to sin. I can't be perfect. I was born into sin. And people say these things and act like, well, that's just the way it is. And when you say that, then it means that sin's not that bad. But there's a lot more message, a lot more to the message that you and I need to know. Just because, yes, that is true, nobody's perfect, doesn't mean that sin's not bad. Sin is awful, and the wages of sin is death. And every single one of you or us who have sin will die. We will. You're going to die. And it's because of your sins that you're going to die. And that's bad. But I'm here to tell you that's not the worst thing because there's provision for sin. So what's the worst thing? Here's what it is. There's something worse than sin. And that's you not responding to your sins. That's you justifying your sins. That's you ignoring your sins. That's you making excuses for your sins. Or that's you, listen to me, just trying to do better from your sins. That's awful. All of those scenarios ignore, neglect, reject God's provision For sin. 
When you sin, if your attitude is, well, I'm just going to try harder the next time to obey the Ten Commandments, then you don't have a provision for sin. Can I tell you that? If your attitude is, well, I'm just going to try harder next time, then you don't have a provision for sin. Listen, life before God is not like being on the basketball court where you just get up and try again. Okay? When you play sports, the best you can do is the best you can do. Leave it at that. That's not the way life is with God. Because the best you can do is never enough. Never enough with God. And God knows that. That's why if you will read His Bible, He's not told you that. You're not going to find Him say, hey, do your best, I'll accept you. That's all I'm asking for you to do your best. Like a coach might say, God doesn't say that. There's a point in life where coaching and in sports carries over to life, and there's a point where it doesn't. You need a provision for your sins. And the worst thing is not your sins. The worst thing is how you respond to your sins. The best thing would be, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. God, what is your provision for my sins? Then hearing the gospel message that God so loved the world, He gave His Son. That when Christ died on the cross, it was to die in your place. That God suffered the wrath of God. That yes, God, hating your sins, punished Jesus so that He would not punish you. That is God's provision for sin. And that's what we see happening right here. Now here's the thing that you can't miss. God is coming to judge, punish Pharaoh and the Egyptians for the way they have been to God's people. But that does not mean that God's people weren't sinners. That does not mean that God's people don't deserve a punishment. Do you understand that? That the worst guy you can think of on the earth right now deserves the punishment of God. Yes, he does. But also, the best guy that you can think of on earth right now deserves God's punishment too. For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is why we're not to be a judgmental people. Because we're really all in the same boat. This is what the message is that I want you and I to be continually working to tell the world. This is the message that I want the world to know about God and I want the world to know about churches. This is the message that I want First Baptist Church of Fairdale, us, to just continue to kind of overflow, permeate, saturate into our community and world, is that, hey, we're not a judgmental people. We don't aim to be a judge people. There are judgmental people. There is a provision for sin. Yes, we don't like sin, but there is a provision for sin. Yes, God hates sin, but there is a provision for sin. And if all people ever hear from you is that sin is bad, and therefore they're sin, and so they're bad, and they're messed up, and God hates them, then you have not told them what God's really like. There is a provision for sin. Right here in the middle of the last plague, and I mean a bad one, the death of the firstborn son, God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a lamb and kill it. Y'all, he's, he's providing a way to keep you from being killed. He is providing a way to keep them from being killed. In other words, here's the message. Yes, hell is real. Yes, Judgment is real. Yes, punishment is real. Yes, condemnation. Depart from me. I never knew you. Yes, those are words that God will say to people. But, you don't have to face that. That's not a determined, fixed thing. There is a provision. And if you would turn to Christ and know that He died for you, You can be saved. That's the message. It includes that first part, but it certainly has to include the second part. There is a provision for sin. I want to ask you, are you aware of your sinfulness? I want to ask you, are you aware, listen to me, that you're the worst sinner in your marriage? Now, there's another worst one in your marriage, but you are too. You realize that? You're the worst sinner in your marriage. And so is he, or so is she. Do you realize you're the worst sinner in your household? I know you tend to think that, if, man, if it wasn't for all them, I should be doing a lot better. But that's a bunch of baloney. You are. 
And you need to know the provision for it. And everybody else that you're dealing with or blaming or thinking is the problem, they need to know about the provision too. And if you're a believer in Christ and you know the provision, then you should be a picture to them of the provision. Grace. Forgiveness. Patience. Love. Mercy. There's provision for our sins and we see this here. Secondly, the provision is in the blood. The provision specifically is not in the killing of the, of the, the lamb, but in the blood of the lamb. Look at verse 7. Then they shall take some of the blood. I want you all to recognize how many times the word blood is about to be said. Shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lentil of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roast it on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's. Passover. Many of you have often asked, what's the Passover? Here it is. You're reading about it. This is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. Now pay attention. I am the Lord. The blood, you see the word blood, shall be a sign for you. What's the sign? The blood is the sign. What's the sign? The blood is the sign. On the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, does everybody see that? And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That song that Micah just sang, Lord, let your judgment pass over us. Lord, let your love hover near. That blood that he was singing about, that's what this is talking about right here. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's where the Passover is. What is the Passover? The religious ceremony of the Passover. It's when God passed over because he saw the blood. Simple. I will pass over you and no plague will will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The second thing I want you to see here today is that the provision is in the blood. Now, you read those verses and you think, man, that is detailed and, and, and complicated and it's pretty specific. And let me, let me tell you something. Yes, 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 it is. Salvation is very detailed and specific. Not complicated, but detailed and specific. It is only through the Holy Son of God dying because of your sins and you trusting in that alone that you will be saved. Not saying, well, that was a good thing what Jesus did. I mean, gosh, can you imagine? I mean, such a good man didn't deserve to die. I mean, him dying on the cross. I mean, that, that's just awesome. And that's how I live my life. I mean, I, I want to be the best person I can. I want to sacrifice myself and help people. And he just always tried to do the right thing. And even if it cost him his life, he did. And if he gave up his life, then I'm going to try to do everything I can to help people. And I want to try to be dependent for people and, you know, all that sort of stuff. No, no, no. That's not detailed. And that's not specific. Looking to that work of Christ on the cross, saying, nothing in my hands I bring, but simply to that cross I cling, is the only way I can be right with God. Lord, the blood of Jesus covering me in my sins is what I believe for the forgiveness of sins. That, that detail, that, 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 that being, being that specific is what saves somebody. One commentator says the detailed instructions for the Passover included what animal to select, when to kill it, what to do with its blood, how to cook it, what to do with the leftovers, how to dress for the meal, the reason why it was being celebrated in haste, and what the shed blood signified. Now, that's a lot. The reason why is because salvation belongs to the Lord. You don't come to God haphazardly. You don't come to God with half-hearted. You don't come to God with insincerity. You don't come to God and say, God, I messed up, man. Please forgive me. I'm just keep doing my own thing, but please forgive me. That ain't right. That ain't from the heart. 
That doesn't include repentance. Do you remember the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector? The religious guy praying about all the good stuff he does and he's thankful for God. And, and then God says, that man's not saved. But then he pointed us to another man over here whose head was bowed and stood far off and couldn't look up and, and kept beating his chest and says, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. That, that's the person that's saved. And the only reason they're saved is because God sees the blood poured all over that person through faith. The provision is in the blood. So here, as they were supposed to take the lamb, they were supposed to kill the lamb, they were supposed to use every single piece of the lamb, they weren't to waste anything, they were supposed to then take the lamb... Let me see where y'all can see me here. And they were to, at their house, take some blood and rub blood all over. Can you see this? At their house. Now, why would they do that? Because God told them to do that. And what it means to be a believer is that you believe God. If God tells me to do it, I'm going to do it. That's what it means to be a believer. You obey God. And so that night... When God said He was coming like He came, God, remember He said He would do it, comes with the angel of the Lord, and He comes. And as God is going through their town, through their village, through their camp, He sees that house, and if there's no blood, He kills the firstborn. They didn't listen to God. He told them, He told them, He warned them, He warned them. He even provided provision. They didn't listen. But as He came through and He saw the blood, He said, they believe me, and passed right over Went to the next one. They believe me. Passed right over. That's the Passover. Went to the next one. Oh, there's blood on the doorpost. Passed right over. Micah just sang it. Put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and death will pass right over. And that night, all the children of Israel prayed. Lord, let your judgment pass over us. Can you imagine? Can you imagine hearing tonight? He's coming. And He's coming to kill all the firstborn because sin is so bad here. There's so much rejection of God. And then hearing about the blood. Can you imagine taking your, your wife and kids? Can you? I can only imagine how sweet it would be to, to, to kill the lamb and take the blood and have J.J. and Eli with me right there painting the door. And Dad, Dad what are you doing? We're painting it. Why? Because God's coming. He's going to judge them. He's going to get us. I see the blood. When he sees the blood, it's going to pass over. That's, that's what the Passover is. But folks, unless you're thinking about going home and, and killing a lamb, let me tell you even better. Christ, Jesus, the Bible says, is our Passover lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God. Do you remember John the Baptist? Do you remember John the Baptist came as a forerunner? If you didn't know this, in the New Testament, John the Baptist was here before Jesus. Born just a little bit before him, on the scene before him. And John the Baptist came saying, hey guys, I'm telling y'all, the kingdom of God is coming. You need to repent of your sins and get right. The kingdom of God is coming. You better repent of your sins and get right. I love teaching my kids about John the Baptist. If you were to ask them right now, what's John the Baptist's message? They would say, you better get ready. Jesus is coming. That's what I've taught them. You better get ready. And that's what John the Baptist did. You better get ready. Jesus is coming. And he told everybody that. And then one day, John the Baptist, all crazy looking with his hair growing out everywhere, camel's fur, uh, all that, eating locusts and honey, just a weird dude, but a prophet of God. He's standing there with some of the other guys. And Jesus walks up for the first time. Jesus walks up. And do you remember what John the Baptist said? There's the what? The Lamb of God. Well, why do they call him a lamb? Because God loves to see the blood. And lambs are killed. So that their blood can wash away sins. John the Baptist said, Behold, folks, that's him. That's the one I was telling you about. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. See, all this stuff that we're reading about in Exodus never really actually saved them permanently. It was their faith in God that could save them permanently. It just demonstrated if they were faithful or not. The Bible says in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, that that blood of bulls and goats could never take away sins. It's not able to. But Christ, 
offered up one time as the Holy Son of God, dying for us and shedding His blood, is able to satisfy the wrath of God, the anger of God, the judgment of God, once and for all. And if you believe that, your sins, past, present, and future, yes, all of your past can be forgiven. Yes, the sins you did this morning can be forgiven. And the sins that you are going to commit in the future can be forgiven by God because a bull didn't die for you, a lamb didn't die for you, the righteous, holy Lamb of God, the man God, Jesus Christ, died for your sins. God sacrificed Him for you. And if you will believe that and ask God to forgive you in repentance of sins, He will. He will pass over you in judgment. John chapter 5 says you will escape that judgment. Just like He saw the doorpost in the blood and 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 He passed over it, He will look at you and see you covered in the blood of Jesus and He will pass over you. That's awesome. That's the message of God. In Leviticus, it says, chapter 17, verse 11, that the blood of something symbolizes the life of it. And so, when you see the blood, even as I opened up with the deer, it alarms you that that something is wrong. When you see the blood on the doorpost, it means something was just killed. When you see the blood of Jesus as He was killed on the cross, you are to know He died for my sins and you believe that. And the Bible says that it was that shedding of blood that washes away our sins. And so the Bible teaches that when God looks at us in faith, our faith, He sees us washed clean of our sins, forgiven. Christ is our Passover lamb. He has been sacrificed for us. There's provision in the blood. So first, there's a provision for sins. Second, the provision is in the blood. Christ is our Passover lamb. Thirdly, this is what the Passover is. Okay? This is what the Passover is, as I've been been explaining. Look at verse 14. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. And so now it becomes to them this thing that they do to remember what the Passover is. To remember that God forgave them of their sins as He was setting them free uh, um, in the, in the, from the captivity of Egypt when He brought His judgment upon them. Whoever did the blood, uh, He would pass over. Whoever didn't, He killed The firstborn of their family. And so that's what the Passover is. Verses 15 all the way down through through 20 is him just explaining further what the Passover is. Pick up with me at verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lentil and the two doorposts with the blood is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. Notice there. Stay inside. Don't be trying to watch, trying to figure it out. Don't be trying to get close to what I'm doing. Stay inside your house. Put the blood there. Trust in God and stay inside the house. Verse 23. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood of the lentil on the doorpost, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer. Now, notice there it says the destroyer. Uh, chapter 3 speaks about the angel of the Lord coming in the burning bush. That, that's what it was. Often when God is there communicating to people, it's called the angel of the Lord. Here it's called the destroyer. Many times it's called the dark angel or the death angel that God had sent to do the punishing. God had said it would be Him Himself. Here He's called the destroyer. To enter your houses to strike you. Verse 24. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. Notice this always includes the family. This always includes the children. Verse 25. Now, so I love. And I brought this up just a few weeks ago. Listen to this. Verse 25. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you. Notice that he's going to set them free and take them to the promised land. Remember that that. Let me stop here for just a second. Remember that goes all the way back to the beginning of Genesis. And for those of you that read your Bibles and, and pay attention, that is what he told Abram. Do you remember that? Abraham, come, follow me, and I will take you to a land that I will show you. Genesis 12, the very beginning of the Bible. And we see here in Exodus that God is still sticking to it. Hey, while you're painting the blood on the door, 
remember, I'm still taking you to the land. Now, God fulfills His promises. God doesn't tell you something to do and then a hundred years later say, ah, it's been a while, I'm not going to do it. No. If God says He's going to do something, He's going to do something. That's why I'm still holding on to Jesus. Because I need heaven. I need God. I need help. And so, in verse 25, he says, And when you come to the land the Lord will give you, as He has promised, you shall keep this service. Now watch. And when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? I want to stop there for just a second. I want to ask you if there's anything in your life so real and authentic toward God. I want to ask you if there is any obedience in your life that is so sincere that the children ask, why do you do that? Because that's what, that's, what, that's what God is saying. Hey, when you do this Passover thing each year, and even more specifically, when you're painting that blood on tonight, the kids are going to ask. <laughs> That's what God says. I love this. But y'all know kids ask questions. We had a t-ball game yesterday morning. There's a little five-year-old girl on our team. The first batter had not hit yet. She's like, Coach, are we done? We done, Coach? Can I go concession stand, Coach? Can I go tell my mom that concession stand's open? Kids ask these questions all the time. If you're painting blood on the doorpost, you better believe they're going to be asking some questions. Hey, if your life is surrendered to some other blood, the blood of Jesus, if they see surrender to the sacrificed, crucified, risen Savior, of course they're going to ask questions. God says, when they ask, you shall say, here's the answer. It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And and, and folks, I want to beg you to take just a little bit more boldness and to so live that the kids and grandkids might ask. And I don't need you to give a big answer. And I'm not saying, well, sit down, let me teach you something. I want you to just say, He spared me. God spared me. I want to challenge you here today, if you can say, God spared me. I'm kind of getting emotional right now, just the words, He spared me. Folks, we shouldn't be here. I certainly shouldn't be standing before you all with any credibility to tell you anything. You don't deserve to be here. You don't deserve to be the dad, the grandfather, the man of your household. Who do you think you are? But God has spared you. He's been gracious and patient with you. Some of y'all have lived disobedient lives for a long time and He's spared you. Dad, why we always got to get up and go to church? He spared me. He sacrificed his son so that he'd never sacrifice me. That's what the Passover is. Look what it says at verse 28, or sorry, the end of verse 27. Isn't this incredible? And the people bowed their heads. And worshipped. Hey, that's a response to the Passover. That's a response to the mercy of God. That's a response to you doing something what God told you to do and seeing that God is faithful to forgive you of your sins, to the children asking why are we doing it, and you saying because He spared us, the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Verse 28 says, Then the people of Israel went and did so. 
as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Then we see the tenth plague happen. Look with me at verse 29. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock and Pharaoh and now here's Pharaoh's response. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt. Remember, he told them there was going to be, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, up. Go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord. As you have said, take your flocks and your herds, and and as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. There was no hesitation. There was no holding back. At this moment, there was no thinking that he was more powerful than God. God had brought the thunder, if you will. God had brought the strictest of all. God had brought the the harshest plague. Y'all, we would have never had a tenth if after the blood, Pharaoh would have said, Wow, God did that. I don't want to mess with God. Y'all are set free. If the, the frogs, the gnats, the flies, and so on, through all of the plagues, if Pharaoh would have said, God is not somebody to contend with, if he had known Galatians chapter 6 where it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be Mocked. And for all of you who have friends and family and, and, and teammates who mock God, because we all do, there's people out there that mock God, don't think God's losing for a second and that they're winning in this thing. Be reminded of passages like this, that Pharaoh mocked God all too much, but God cannot be mocked. And at this moment, there's not a doubt in anybody's mind in the world who's greater, Pharaoh or God. God said He was going to do it. Pharaoh still didn't listen. He hardened his heart, didn't put the blood up. And so the judgment came. The tenth plague was real. But what I want you all to see here is that that was because of a continued disobedience. And I want you all to hear today that there is coming a day where you and people will not be able to to sin against God on and on. There is coming a day where God will say, no more. He's coming back, y'all. And when He comes back to judge and punish, there's a provision. Matthew Henry writes that the blood of sprinkling is the saint's security. Do you hear that? The saint's security. You can be secure. In times of common calamity, it is this that marks them for God, pacifies the conscience, and gives them boldness of access to the throne of grace. And so becomes a wall of protection around them and a wall and a wall of partition between them and the children of this world. It is the blood of Christ that has so wrapped us up in possession of God. It is the blood of Christ that has so consumed us and overwhelmed us and clothed us, if you will, to make us forgiven, to make us gods. We are His. And as long as you are clinging to the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins, you are right with God. Christ is our sacrificial Passover lamb. I want to read to you from Revelation chapter 7. You don't necessarily have to turn there, but I want you to read this. I want you to hear this. Revelation 7, John is seeing all of the redeemed, okay? John, in his vision, is seeing all of the redeemed. And here's what he says. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. That's how many people are going to be in heaven, more than you can count. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. There's the same word, right? The Lamb. Standing before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, white robes they were, and palm branches in their hands. And here's what they're crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's what they're saying in heaven. God did this. And and to the Lamb. Remember, the Lamb always gets our mind thinking, God sees the blood. Don't ever talk about the Lamb of Jesus without thinking, God sees the blood. 
So he sees the lamb. Or, or they, they, they're, they're singing to the lamb. And now listen to this. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they, they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshipped God. And here's what they said. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So heaven is about worship. Better be ready. But then look at what happens in verse 13. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, and now he's talking to John, an elder in heaven talking to John. Who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? Interesting question. If you're an elder in heaven, then you understand the things of heaven. So this is kind of a trick question to John in his vision. He says, who are these people that are worshiping God before the throne in white robes? And where did they come from and how did they get here is what he's asking. But listen to John's response. I said to him, sir, you know. And he so then the man answers back. And he said to me, oh, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Look what it says next. Listen. They have washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. In heaven, when you're there with the worship of more people than can be counted, there will be one weird element that won't be weird then. There'll be blood all over us. We'll be in white robes. And somebody might say, Where, who are these people? And what are those robes? And how'd they get here? And you're going to say, oh, you know. It's the blood of the Lamb who died for me. For my sins. And therefore God passed over. He didn't kill me. He didn't punish me. He didn't judge me. Folks, when God sees the blood of Jesus on you by faith, you're forgiven. You are set free. You are God's. There's not an ounce of condemnation that is on your head if God sees the blood. There is nothing in all creation that could separate you from the love of God. If he sees the blood. You may be thinking, Josh, how do I get the blood? Bow your knee and pray to him and believe. Say, Father, forgive me of my sins. You're the Lord. You're the God. You're my Savior. In our household, I, I read the Bible with the, the boys every night. Carolina's not ready for it. Every once in a while, we invite her in to be a part of it, and she just tears the pages, and so the boys want to fight her, and I get mad, and so she's not ready for it yet. So Val puts her to bed, and I put the boys to bed, and we read the Bible. We'll go through these different Bibles. And right now, we're reading through this Action Bible. This is awesome, especially for older kids. It's, it's a little bit above the heads of, of our boys. They like it, but there's a lot that, that's over their head. If you've got a teenage boy, this is awesome. This is a really, really good Bible, the Action Bible. We've been reading it, read it every night. Now, you know, it's fitting that here in Exodus 12, it says, when you do this and your children ask, God is always showing us that the kids are watching and the kids are asking. And, and I want to tell y'all that it's not because I'm a preacher and so we do family devotions. Our family devotions are crazy. The kids don't listen. They're playing with toys the whole time. I'm getting mad at them and, and all of that. But we're trying every night to read the Bible. That, that happens, okay? I want to encourage you to do that too. Just read the Bible. Sometimes it's 20 minutes. They're really listening. Most of the time it's about three minutes, okay? Real short. But just a couple weeks ago, we got to the final plague. And it's just like the story would have told it. Pharaoh's not listening. On this page, it's got all the families here painting the blood on the doorpost. The boy says, Dad, why are you putting lamb's blood on our doorposts? The dad says, God told Moses it would be a sign to let the angel of death know to pass over our house. And the other one, other house, the dad says, surely this will bring our release from slavery. This one, the dad says to the son, nine times Pharaoh has broken his promise to let us go. What will he do this time? Will he let us go at the tenth place? So it's setting it up. 
Then it says right here that the family stayed in the house, just like it said. And then on this page, it says just before midnight. And here comes the death angel. And the families are scared. And there's crying coming out of every house. This window says, help! This window says, no! And so, the firstborns are dying. We were reading this in our... I lay down when I read to them. One sits on my back. They take turns sitting on my back. And they got real serious. That's, that's pretty serious with little kids, obviously. And, and, and Eli said, Daddy, is that real? Is that real? Is that real? And then he said, is that real today? Folks, it's not real in the sense that an angel's coming to your house tonight to kill your kid if you don't have blood on the door. But it is absolutely real that if my kids don't know the love of God and His rich mercy to pass over their sins because of what His Son has done, then yes, they will die. And it is our responsibility to make sure the world knows our God forgives people. And that He loves us so much, He killed His Son. And may you and I labor. I mean, literally love and serve both God and people, like our mission statement says. So that they would know that the blood is available. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the Passover lamb. Thank you, God, that that's just how you are. You don't get mad and all of a sudden say, that's it, I've had enough, I'm about to kill all y'all. You don't, you don't do that, God. Thank you, God, that with us you are so patient. You've spared us. And Father, may we be forgiven because we trust in the work of Christ. And may the blood be all over us by faith. Father, we ask that you would so give us faith that when you look at us, you pass over because you see Jesus. Father, we pray that you would do this work in our lives even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.